Welcome to the Live Wildly podcast, a space where we explore how to live our wildest expressions while nourishing our hearts. Here we come together to share about our life paths, authentic expressions, and heart's wisdom with one another. We cover all things motherhood, spirituality, adventure, health and wellness, and more. I'm your host, Olivia Ashley, a mama, intuitive, and seeker of a joyful, inspired life. Let's dare to live wildly together. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Live Wildly podcast. Thanks for being here, for listening, for showing up for yourself. This is a really exciting episode, and and I say that probably for all my episodes because anyone who comes on, I'm going to be excited about, truthfully. So just if you hear me say that every week, that is why truly, truly from my heart, this was a really wonderful episode with such an amazing human. And today's episode is really fun because it is the first part of a two-part series. And while we recorded this all at once, there's just so much juicy knowledge and we racked up over two hours of conversation that I really wanted to make sure you all could listen, digest, and enjoy the conversation fully. And I think you could have if I put this out in one, but I felt really called to split this into two. So note that the next two episodes will be with Amanda Lauren. And she is this beautiful human. I met her and connected to her via Instagram. And because we are both doing and working towards herbalism, we were both learning about plants and really interested in the land. And she hails from New Zealand and she is a student of the Akasha. You've heard me talk about the Akashic records on here and the Akasha really is soul spirit. And she has her sights set on helping heal her people. She's a lover of knowledge, wisdom, and all things woo-woo, and she envisions a world with indigenous dignity and a society connected to their roots, their lands, and their hearts. And so we cover a lot, both about her being a channel and what that means to her, who she channels. I have channeled starseeds, interdimensionals, past loved ones, so many people. And so I was super curious, knowing she's a channel, what she would be channeling through. And so for her, her channel comes through the land, Mama Earth. And she also channels her ancestors. So she is of the Maori people of New Zealand. And we really talk a lot about that, how she sees what is coming up for her people, the healing work she is doing. She's just there to help, to connect, to support other women in all that she is doing. And I am floored by her heart, her generosity, her wisdom, her empathy, all things. And we also talk about how you all can connect to your own land, where to start. You know, it it really is simple. And even why it's important that we are aware of nature. You know, sometimes I forget others don't feel the way I do or feel this connection, reverence, all the things that I feel when I look outside, when I just tune in. And it's hard for me to verbalize exactly what this is, but I also am aware that many of you might not have that or want that and that's okay too but i think if you are human if you're human here at this time that there is this deep calling from our earth from our souls to connect to help 
right a lot of the wrongs that have happened, be it war, be it toxins, poisons, um, just this carelessness that our world has kind of created in a consumeristic culture. And I feel like Amanda and even myself are on this forefront of really, really wanting to bring forward this connection, this voice for the earth, for its beings, for ourselves, because there needs to be a writing. I think we can all see that and feel that. And where do we start? And so truthfully, I'd really love to explore more of this in this podcast and on this space. So look forward to that because stewardship, sustainability, true sustainability, true solutions, you know, I really want to be solution oriented, bring hope, but bring reality to us all around the earth and how we are all struggling too from this disconnection, from the toxicity, from just everything of how our day-to-day is often set up. And gosh, I could just spiral out on this topic, but let me bring it back to today and Amanda and this beautiful conversation. So I really hope that you get exactly what you need from it. And note that on part two of this series, Amanda goes even deeper around timelines, around connection, around your gifts and her gifts, and then also does a little channeling for the Live Wildly community. So stay tuned for that. Get excited. This is just part one of the beautiful, lovely Amanda and her wisdom in our conversation. So with that, I will kick us to the episode and I look forward to talking to you more soon. Well, hello, Amanda. Welcome to the Live Wildly podcast. I am super excited about this because I was intuitively spiritually led to ask you to come on here, even though we hardly know each other and have just recently connected. I am excited and looking forward to what is about to come through you and in this conversation. So I just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful to you for taking the time and welcome, welcome, welcome. The first thank question, you, Olivia. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. And the first question I always love to ask, and it's a big one, is tell us about yourself. Just a little bit about your background, your story. We'd love to hear. A little bit. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be, has everyone got like five, 10 hours on their hands now? <laughs> Maybe an epilogue, a whole chapter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those moments when you're in the personal development um, training and they say, write your eulogy. What would you say in your eulogy? Like, okay, here we go. What's my eulogy going to be? Uh, so hello everybody, I'm Amanda Lauren. I um, hail from New Zealand, so probably on the other side of the world to so most of the listeners here currently. Yeah, I descend from Ngāti Tahu, Ngāti Whawa, Ngāti Awa, which are the names of my tribes here in New Zealand. Uh, very Māori, very staunch in who I am and also navigating that as well because, you know, layers upon layers upon layers, like it's an interesting question to answer when they say, when people ask, who are you? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself because I don't see myself as just the being that I am. And there are so many facets, so many avenues I could take you all into explaining or even showing or describing who it is that Amanda Lauren is. So I think for the purpose of this, this gathering, I'll keep it to the intuitive side 
of a mandolin. <laughs> so naturally, yeah, I'm a very intuitive being. I love to work in the um, the spirit realm, working with energies, with with air, with ether, and that has been something that has been on my heart and in my life since forever. There was a time when I was younger when I would take myself to church, trying to figure out what this feeling was, what trying to figure out what the void was, this unknown about myself. And so I've spent many years in and out of religion trying to find my place in the world because I didn't know what spirituality was in, in, in its wholeness. You know, it's a, it's a big word. There isn't just one definition for spirituality and, and one way of being spiritual. But I just didn't know what it was because I grew up in a, in a family that didn't, that didn't have the access to this realm or to this, this knowledge and wisdom in a small town that was very like, gang-related typical early 90s sort of I can't say typical actually because it's a it is kind of a New Zealand stereotype not so much a worldly stereotype so but yeah it is it's been quite a journey for me finding my place here in the intuitive world and and realizing that and that this is me and being okay with that that has probably been the biggest thing like you know it's it can be very polarizing to society and yeah, that can really take you to some places and to some not so nice places in terms of myself being wishing that I wasn't like this sometimes, you know, why do I have to be so why do I have to like be so cryptic or vague or or so connected in some ways that people don't understand me, but yet the right people always do. So yeah, that that's that's my nutshell. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously so much more, but yeah, I think when it comes to describing who I am, what it is I do. It really is just being the voice or our voice, I should say, a voice for spirits, a voice for channel, a voice for intuition and an advocate for that too, for uh, helping people seeing their own intuition, connecting with their own intuition, connecting with spirit itself and being, yeah, being a beacon like a lot of us here in this day and age. That's really beautiful. Yeah, Thank you for sharing that. And I think you started us off with exactly where we're going to take this conversation because mm -hmm. my follow-up question is really to start to dig into your intuitive origin story. I'm very curious if you were always intuitive and in touch with your gifts and, or what are your gifts or what was that moment of like real awakening? Like you said, you were searching for it through religion. I did that as well and grew up in that way, but what was that journey like for you? Yeah, it's been an interesting one. I can think of moments when I was a child where I would like see things, hear things, feel things. I remember my mom telling me as a kid that if there was ever a person that I wouldn't go near, she knew not to trust them. And so I was the gauge in the family as to how or who we brought into our lives as a family unit. And it's not something that I fully carried through the whole way. I had my human moments where I, I shut it all out and decided that I was going to be like everyone else. And then just always had this knocking at the door in my heart and in myself going, this, that there's more to me than just this. There's more to me than just this human that I am portraying myself to be. But yeah, there was definitely that religious start. Although my, I was the only one, like my family wasn't religious, like at all. <laughs> I was that little eight-year-old taking myself to church. Like it's kind of a strange thing to say out loud, but at the same time, I have met a couple of people that have also done the same thing. I'm like, okay, so it isn't as weird as what I consider it to be. Throughout my teen years, I blocked it out. 
I just, yeah, into my early 20s. It wasn't really until I had my daughter and she's 11 now. I was 23. She was about, about nine months old and I put her into daycare and I took myself to the library and there was like this pinnacle moment there where this book fell off the shelf and it was called How to Be a Medium. I don't remember the author's name, but it was a blue book and I was walking. I just remember so clearly walking through the library and then this just book just fell off the shelf in front of me. And I was like, okay, I better pay attention. And I'd always been interested in mediumship and watching, well, here we had the show called Sensing Murder. So there was mediums that would go around the country sensing the uh, investigations around the murder scenes and trying to find the killer, basically. And I used to love those shows. I used to love watching uh, like medium show people in America. You know, they would come on late night TV over here. And so it'd, it'd be, it just intrigued me, like so, so intrigued me. And read books about mediums, everything. And then all of a sudden there was just this, oh, how to be a medium. Oh, what do you mean how to be a medium? I thought you were born with that sort of like thought process. But it's like, well, actually, I'm learning later on in life that it is something that we can all carry. So that was a moment for me where I decided to really be open. I read that book like cover to cover within a couple of days. I began meditating. And then from there, I was like, right, what's next? <laughs> what book is going to like take me next? And, I, and then I started a journey into Buddhism. And I, I couldn't quite grasp Buddhism as much as I probably could now. It was a little over my head. Uh, but it did start the meditation and the, the journey of coming inward and, and seeing, seeing self from inward and, and, and learning about compassion because I'd heard about that word and I had no idea what it was. So, yeah, it kind of just it began there. So I would say from, from the, the time of my child being born and I, I dibbled and dabbled for a while. I uh, would go to little classes and I'd buy crystals and I'd buy books about angels. And I was a real Doreen Virtue fan. Like I was like cheering her on in the corner. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to put into words really because as a journey being a journey like there are so many nuances and elements and aspects that that make it kind of hard to put into a sentence to explain it's just if I could show you if I could take you through how my mind is bringing it to me that would explain it a lot easier but yeah it was just something I decided I wanted to try and I just had this feeling like, I want to do that I want to be like that that's I had this deep desire to be intuitive not really realizing I already was but you know, just having that deeper knowing of it and having that deeper trust. And and then my, what year was this? So we're fast forwarding a few years now, going through a bit of a toxic, uh, abusive relationship. And one of my friends came back from Amsterdam. She had done like this full awakening experience. She brought back my introduction into cacao, my introduction into shamanism and into ceremony circles and women's circles and stuff like that. And then And then I was in. I was like in and then everything was full on the everything started to come online I started to do readings I don't even remember the moment where I decided I was going to do that but I just did I was like you know what I do readings now and it kind of just unfolded from there and that was end of 2018 and so from there it's just been okay this is this is me this is actually who I am now and just developing 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 of course, I remember that moment just wishing that I was five years ahead. Like, oh, I just wish I could have all of that trust and knowledge and know all the things now. And now that it's like been five years, I'm like, oh, wow, that time actually went rather quick. And look how far we have come as a being, as a person um, in a community, meeting people around all around the world. Like, yeah, I'm not sure if that fully answered your question, actually. But 
No, that was really helpful. And it's so interesting to hear because it parallels my own story in a way. I had my first child at 23 as well. And I had a similar, it was Joe Dispenza's book, Becoming Mm. Supernatural, that fell off the shelf. And I was gifted very quickly after Sonia Choquette's, like the angels, something about angels. And I did not open that book for like three, four years. I was kind of confused why it landed, but isn't that (laughs) funny? It just, yeah. And then all of a sudden it just spirals. It's like this curiosity Mm -hmm. and this opening and, and this trusting. And, and I love that you just are like one day I just started to do readings because I very much did the same. It's like, all of a sudden you're connected and there's this deep well that you want to connect, you want to share. And I think that's, you know, for a lot of us, why our gifts come on, especially being medium. Did you ever watch the show Psychic Kids here? That was a show that, okay, go deep in that. That's what I watched um, as a child with my father. And it was a little darker, I'd say when I was a kid, but they did a secondary season. I think it was through A&E, but you can find it on Hulu. I think you would really enjoy it, but psychic kids, but that's what it made me think about. It's so interesting how things get planted right along our journey. And then we just kind of follow and trust. And I'm really curious. So you describe yourself also as this channel, right? That you're channeling through spirit. And you've also described to me offline that this has been one of your greatest gifts and biggest challenges. I was curious if we could dive a little bit deeper into channeling. Maybe what is that like for you? How do you channel? What is a channel? And then we can go from there. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. Oh, what is a channel? So for a channel for me, how I describe it is just the direct connection to to the wisdom, to the well of wisdom, to whether that is an Akashic or that could be to source directly, it could be guides or higher self. And yeah, for me, it is something that actually comes rather naturally. Like it's written throughout my human design, my numerology, my astrology, like every single uh, tools to get our mind on board is just into spirituality is what I'm trying to, you know. They're, they're a little bit like boxes, but also not boxes. Every one of those boxes does speak into this intuitive channel ability that I seem to have. And I've been like this my whole life, and I didn't realize I was doing it my whole life. Like it's it's just something that switches on, which is really amazing and re- really, really beautiful. And but when I'm really in and it's an intentional, the words just come out. I don't always see. I don't always hear. My my mouth just doesn't stop talking. It just, <laughs> and I just let it happen. And it's been a journey of trust because whilst this thing is happening with my voice, my mind can also come in and have a totally separate conversation with me. It's real crazy. But that would be the the side of me that's like, what is even happening? Are you speaking things that aren't true? Are people going to believe you? And I've even had this come in while we've been talking already, just this the separation of self from spirit that is kind of telling me like, Amanda, you're you're talking crap but at the same time it's like there's this full trust also happening it's very interesting how this channel seems to work because it's almost like I can separate myself into the channel for spirit and then the human side yeah and I feel like it happens differently for so many people some people need to be in a meditative state some people need to be in a heightened state and I, I couldn't really say that one channel channeling one way is the only way or and I'd never encourage that either. It's like it's always going to be your own. And I feel like we all have this ability to tap in and just move through. Like channeling can be through art, it can be through writing, it can be through song, it can be through so many things. And 
just my particular ability come through words and the ability to conceptualize perspectives, concepts, and and create an understanding for others. So it could be that there could be something that someone's going through that is quite challenging and they can't quite grasp what it means for them or, or what's coming for them. And I just have this way of being able to, <clears throat> I don't know why my throat is going. I don't normally cough, but like get stuck this much. What's going on? Here we go. You're oh. opening your throat chakra. <laughs> yeah. I think. You're opening, you're channeling. Here we you're, go. You're, it's, it's firing up, I think. Yeah, I can feel my body starting to move. Like I'm like, okay, all right. Glasses have to come off. Okay. When the glasses come off, we're we're in we're in mode. We're in mode. <laughs> You're just giving me goosebumps. I feel it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've I've actually noticed that when I wear my glasses, um, it makes me human. I sit in my human more. So when I go into channel mode, I have to take them off because it signifies to my body and to my mind and to this human that it's time for spirit. And I now I can yeah, it's it's coming in now. Okay. Okay, I don't know why I'm being saying told to say it like this, but like channeling is like a mode of transportation. And transportation for wisdom, guidance, words, for beingness, for the ability to be able to humanize the the spiritual world. Like as as we know, consciousness is, is at play all of the time and we're connected to consciousness constantly, but we don't always understand what it is telling us. And so when we hop into these modes of channel, when we get to really step into who we are like when i literally see channel like a beam of light like as if i'm standing in this actual like beam happening and it just it's all like transmuting and coming through and and i get to be the typewriter or the the song or the voice and it's almost like the word channel isn't quite the word that needs to be said in order to describe what this is but for those that need to have a label <clears throat> For those that need to have a label to have a word for it, then that channel is the word that we use. And it and basically it's just the connection. It is a connection of yourself, it's the connection of your beingness, it's the connection to your wholeness, because you aren't always we're not all in this human. We don't all fit in this human. It'd be a really large human if we tried to put a whole soul into one human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that divine connection. Yeah, they're like, next question now. No, I, I love this. And I'm just so curious also. So it sounds like a lot of your channeling is you are just source is how I almost see it. This well, this wisdom. I'm so curious. Have you also had experiences channeling other beings, whether it's star beings, interdimensionals? I know you said you are medium. So obviously it's going to be past loved ones or passed on typically is how I view mediumship. But could you speak to anything that other experiences that you've had? Yeah. So as, as me as a medium, I don't so much channel past loved ones. And I, and I feel like that is because I have this, this disconnection from death. I'm still as a human needing to pull one and two together to create three. So my mediumship sits around the channeling of wisdom, guidance, higher self. And I, I'm not so much a galactic channeler. I'm more, I'm an earth channeler. So I tap into the frequencies and of the earth, what we call Fenua here. I tap into the collective like tribe frequencies and channel from those places and often for and the ancestors of people. So not, not the direct loved ones, but the ancestors of people. And I'm often showing like the lineages, the pathways and everything here. When I do see things, unless I'm talking directly from source, it is all at like this human level that I get to speak from. 
and it's like these ancestors come through as them whether it's the sorry or the happiness or the proud or the the cheering on it's interesting because I'm having to translate into English right now so (laughs) (laughs) a lot of my ancestral work is within my own country within my own people and it's it's spoken bilingually or in our native tongue and so I'm I'm having to kind of like come back a bit in this moment because I'm seeing these these things play out I'm hearing the words that I want to be said but they're not in English (laughs) and you're welcome to share some too I'm sure your friends and your peoples will listen to this as well and I think there's so much beauty in your language and I'm laughing because my next question that I have up is what's your connection to your ancestry and the land? And can you share about your roots of New Zealand physically and spiritually? So I think this is, <laughs> you're tapping in. We are right online. So you are welcome to go there and share as much and as deep and whatever is coming up, please. Cool. So uh, our people are called Maori. Uh, we are the original peoples of this land. Oh, one of the original peoples of this land. There are there are many theories and many stories and many connections that state that we're probably not the first, but and we definitely ain't going to be the last. But we were the most recently colonized. Dare I say that word? So, how do I describe what it's like to be Maori? I would liken it to Native Americans in America and the Mayans and the Incas, and we have we have that ancient connection to the land that deep deep like the word the word that wants to come out in Maori is whakafanangatanga which is like connection but it's a feeling we were one we were one with the land like like most indigenous tribes and we we read the land we fed the land and that read us and it fed us we read the stars and we fed the stars and that read it you know same same and it's, it's funny because it's interesting that it's Matariki now, right? It is our Māori New Year. We're coming into the new year for our people. And I feel like for the first time in my 34 years that our people are finally coming together. And it's not just in our own segregated little communities and our iwi, our tribes, and then our places. We're finally all understanding and coming forward to, to each other as, as if we were all one. So... I have no idea why I'm finding this hard to talk about. There's obviously something here that it is, I can feel it. It's here. It's like, it's creating a, a disconnect with me being able to speak about this. So I think maybe we will just hold on this one, on this question, because there's a, there's emotion coming up. I feel almost like you're about to be the voice of your people of what needs to be expressed and shared. Yeah, my human is terrified. Mm-hmm. You're safe and you're strong. I'll help ground you. It's so interesting because I um I spent a few moments crying before we came on today because a deep part a deep part of what was coming through my kashik this morning was forgiveness. It is the the inner the inner being, the inner children that we all carry, and then that we're all just very, very hurt people, and we don't, we don't want to be, you know. But we are hurt people. We carry, we carry many hurts, much hurt, 
from the past. And we're only just coming to realize the forgiveness that needs to take place. And not everyone's ready for that. And so it hurts to talk about. Because we are very, very proud. We are very, very strong. We hold lots of mana. Mana is like our um, prestige. Mm-hmm. We're very proud of who we are, and yet we hide the pain behind that. It's like the more the more staunch we are, the more hurt we hide. Mm, it's like this almost I am I heard the word reckoning in a way of there was so much hurt forced upon you and your peoples and the land and so you created this power not to say you weren't powerful but you had to even more I think show up in that way and share and say we will come through this we will walk through this and it feels like there's this peeling of those layers that is starting to happen where you're finding the security in a way, in a sense of yourself once more that now it's allowing this. I just see this like flower, something to open where all that hurt and all that energy is needing to start to release and, and you find it within one another. But to your point of a lot of people might not be ready for that, to feel that, to let alone even have the space or knowing to express that. Yeah. Yeah, we hold a we hold a lot of blame on the colonizing parties that arrived here only two hundred years ago. So this is very new. It's it's still raw, mm-hmm. and I'm being told I have to say this, but I'm scared to say it because it's gonna. No, okay, I'm gonna trust that whoever hears this is gonna need to hear it. Mm-hmm. So. I personally, I'm going to take this on myself. I personally believe that in order for our people to heal through the acts of colonialism, it is that it's not about changing or decolonizing Maori on the outside. And I think I feel like that is where the problem has been is that there's the stance that has been taking place where it's we've got to decolonize our culture and 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 go against people the view the colonized view people but at the same time it's like there is literally no one here anymore that is full-blooded we all hold our pain from our maori ancestors and we hold the righteousness from the colonizing people that came here we are a mix of both now and so the perspective needs to shift where instead of looking at the only way to solve our problem as a people, the only way to like disconnect from the colonial thing is to push everyone away or to be more Maori, it's like no, it, it comes from within. You, we've got to decolonize ourselves in a form of forgiving our ancestors that came here and forgiving our ancestors that let them. So we were, as far as I know, I have I have got no education in this exactly, but from as far as I know, our our ancestors that were of Maori descent, that are of Maori descent, were quite welcoming to the European side. And so it was kind of like a betrayal 
And yet we all carry this betrayal within us now. And so how I feel we need to shift through is to stop self-betraying ourselves, is to start to forgive who we are as a person and forgive our lineages. Like I look at my lineages and it's a complete mix on both sides. But I couldn't stand here and say white people are the problem because then I would be condemning my grandmother, I'd be con- who I love dearly. I'd be condemning my grandfather, who is past now, but I loved him dearly. I'd be condemning his whole line. And then who am I? Because I come from them. I too hold the blood of white people. And I hold the blood of Maori people. So it's tough. It's tough to allow ourselves to be seen this way because there are lots of people that are very staunch in their belief systems around how to be Māori, and I love that. But at the same time, they're not willing to fully embody forgiveness for the the part of them that also caused the problem. So we're just just constantly colonizing ourselves all over again. And so it's going to take, well, I don't know. I want to say a miracle, but miracles happen all the time. So it's like, you know, it's going to, it's going to take something eventually. I am hoping for us all to come around and go, oh, (laughs) the problem is within us, not them, whoever they are, because we'd rather blame other people than look at ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I see it in my family, even in close relatives, not so much their view on colonialism and the separation but just how they view life in general and the victimhood that they want to take on like we can be victim to this and either side of the coin like even those who are descendants of european colonizing people who don't don't have maori in them like but we can't go and point fingers at them and say that they did it because they didn't do it it was their ancestors so what is the point in condemning people whether lineage or peer because of the color of their skin or because of decisions that were made from people who are no longer here anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's my personal view on it. And I forgot what the question was. No, it's but... okay. I was just going <laughs> to say, it just feels like you are finding this reclamation and you're having this deep seeing and understanding. And I keep hearing like, what would the land say? It's like, if you were to feel into the land who held it all, who witnessed it all, who was here before, what is that message for you and your peoples? That's where it leads me. And I I know what the land would say. I know what the Fenua would say. And she never wanted any of this. Mm -hmm. So it's, there's hurt that lies in the land from the bloodshed of her people. I know that, and either side of the coin as well, once again, because we don't own the land. No one owns the land. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> How dare us as humans think that we can because we, we don't. We're part of nature. We're not separate from nature. We can't own it. <laughs> but I know, I know what the land would say because the land, the land calls me all the time. And this is also part of my journey as who I am or why I chose to be in this carnation and this culture with this family and in this sort of way with these sort of gifts. It has a lot to do with land. It's a lot to do with spirit. It's a, and it's funny because I was thinking about 
I don't know how this makes sense yet, but it will in a second. I was thinking about my own astrology this morning. I have two stelliums, which apparently, according to my astrologer auntie, is rare, where I've got a Gemini stellium and a Capricorn stellium. So literally half air, half earth. But if I see how my life is lived, that makes sense. Because I've always felt like a bridge. Like it is it is the the divine wanting to manifest into the into the physical. It is as Ranginui wanting to come home to Papa Tuanaku. Ranginui is our sky father, Papa Tuanaku is our earth mother. And it's like we have this we have this big bang story where at the beginning of time when it was just ill, when when it was when it was just darkness. There, there was like movement between Rangi and Papa. So there was like the earth and the sky. They were together as one. They were husband and wife and they had their children who were the gods of like the wind, the food, or yeah, there's, there's so many of them. And there was this moment where one of them, Tane Mahuta, the god of the forest, he separated them. So it became Rangi Nui, Papa, and everything else in between. And it, I just feel like there's more bridges being being born here now bridges like me who are the link between Ranginui and Papa Tuanaku bringing them home again not so much in physical home where we're going to go into darkness but just in connection and in energy like we are bringing the divine into the earth we are bringing the divine home to us but seeing that as human beings that was that was always going to be our job we're, we're not disconnected from either. We're not just humans here on walking this earth. We're not just beings of the highest light. We're, we're both. We're everything. We're all and nothing all at once. We're nature and we're divine. It's, yeah. It, <laughs> oh, anyway, and so just, yeah, thinking about that this morning, like, ah, oh, okay, I, I see it now. My purpose for myself, because I've, I've had that question mark over my head for a long time as well. Like I was saying at the beginning of this, I'm, I'm in a transition period right now. I'm in limbo, I'm like, but it makes sense because I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be mm. always. Yes, trusting. And that that's such a beautiful story and so interesting. And it, it just makes me think like I so visually saw almost like the separation it's like their backs turned and then here we all are as humans looking to one maybe looking to the other but it it, it's almost like through our hearts we see both and then we connect them in the center is how I was envisioning it when you were speaking and yet I think this is new. This is something, and I, I want to say it's new for us, right? Our, our people's ancestors, I think, understood this. But whatever crazy crap went down the last thousand years, you know, we got so separated. And now it's this, again, this reclamation, this remembrance of us. And it takes those like you and me and others who are connected and being that bridge and sharing this deep wisdom. Just when you speak, I mean, you can tell that this is, it, it is just through your heart and there is such deep wisdom in there. So you answered that really beautifully. And my follow-up question to this is if one was looking to deepen or begin a relationship with the land, where would you recommend they begin? At home with them. You know, we can, we can see ourselves separated from the land. Like where's the perfect place? What is the perfect ritual? How can we do this? But it's feet to earth. It's intention. It's realizing that you may be a human having a different um, experience to your tree brothers and sisters or 
different experience to the bees and the flowers, but you're not different from them. And as, as soon as you decide and choose that you want to be nature incarnated with this consciousness, you become it. I mean, you're always it anyway, but in your mind, in your consciousness, your conscious mind, you become it. So becoming, becoming like deeply connected with the land starts with you. Starts with the connection to your body, to your to the waters that are within you, to your feet, to you touching the land, to you hugging the tree, to you seeing the beauty in the flower. I'm having this <clears throat> reminder of this time uh, recently, about a month ago. I was sitting outside, and I had this bee land on my hand. And often I get a little bit anxious, you know, because oh my god, it's gonna sting me. But it didn't. It just walked around my hand and was licking me the whole time. And for like twenty minutes, I had to like close my shirt because I didn't want it because it was trying to get into my shirt. Like it was like you know, kind of would get to dig in there. I'm like, this is what it's like to be nature. This bee doesn't see me any different to a flower. I'm this the bee is my friend. I could and I I felt no anxiety. I they felt no fear. And I thought to myself, if it stings me, it stings me. Because I I also recently learned that they only unless unless frightened, if they do come and sting you and you weren't you didn't frighten them, it's because you needed it. Like they they're not gonna sacrifice their life force for nothing. So if this bee was gonna sting me, then I would have obviously needed it. Thankfully, I didn't. <laughs> awesome but for 20 minutes i just let it walk through my fingers just lick me i can i could feel it its little feet i could feel its tongue i could feel the love that it was sharing with me and i'm like how cute this bee thinks i'm a flower i'm like amanda you are a flower you have the same stuff in you that the flower has why would this bee not think that you are a flower and so <clears throat> it's in moments like that where we realize that, huh, I'm no different from the tree, from the flower, from the bee. My DNA is maybe just, you know, a little bit different. So then I, I come out like this, the manifestation of my energy and my particles are different, sure. But we're still all connected. And so that's, that's how I feel working with land is, because when you start to tap into that, that oneness with land, with energy, with nature, you start to hear her. Or like however your gifts are open, some people see, some people feel. But, you know, like there are times of the year where I feel the heartbeat. I can lie there and I'm like, there's this really deep heartbeat happening. Oh, wait, that's not mine. That's Papa Tulanaku. That's Mother Earth. She, she, we're connecting. We're resonating right now. I can lie out there and I can feel the waters under the land, even though I'm on solid ground. I can feel the movement. I can hear the earthquakes coming before they even arrive, like before the, the rumble starts. I'm like, oh, yeah, here, here we go. You know, there's these little things that start to happen when you are connected to these spaces. And you just realize that among the society life, among the way human life has become, your instinctual nature becomes stronger. It's not just about intuition. It's about the part the primal part of you that connects you to the deep knowing of yourself so for anyone that wants to begin that journey start with you mm. start with being present when your feet are on the ground feeling feeling the tingle feeling the grass or the dirt feeling the water it just allowing your awareness to be there 
there's this thing that I'm doing at the moment every time I go into space with myself or with others where we all bring our awareness down to our toes and we open them and we get them to smile. It's amazing how happy your feet can be when you get them to smile. And like, I, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I can hear mine giggle when I do that. I'm like, oh, yes, the giggling. Cute. Like my toes giggle, guys. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yours can too. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's those sorts of things that like really start to open up the awareness in those spaces and just doing it throughout your whole body. Like you're everything can smile. Everything can be connected. It's just all about perspectives and how you choose to believe and see it. And I'm just curious too, following up on this question is, I feel like so many people just don't care, don't care about the land or don't care about this connection, but I know both you and I have this deep reverence for it. And so if you could share a little bit of just like, what is the benefits? What have you seen? I I almost hesitate to ask that because there shouldn't need to be benefit, right? I think there's just this deep inner connection, but I'm going to frame it that way because I think it makes sense to most people, but yeah, like why should people care? why are we even connected? I think we often see ourselves as so separate. We're in these boxes. We are in our cars. We just, you know, we're not fully connected. And yeah, I'm like, I'm not even sure what that question is, but I'm curious what you would say to that. Imagine what it would be like to live in a padded room with no natural light for the rest of your life, living off of uh, porridge or oats, every meal. How how does that does that sound like something that's exciting? Does that sound inspiring, motivating? Yeah, sounds awful. It sounds sad. Yeah, that's what life is like without connecting to nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you do, if you don't connect with nature, and I guess you know you don't have to. I am. I will say that you don't have to. It is your choice, but it will feel very isolating. It'll feel very hard. It'll feel very tense. There's nature in the land. They are what helps you move. They they help you heal, just by connecting to the land alone with your feet and earthing your energy. It, it releases a lot out of your system because we can't live without it. It would be, it, it's a, like, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a strange question to ask because like, what is life without nature and land? It's a very strange question to also try and answer because I'm like, I, can, I personally cannot conceptualize life without being able to at least see the sun. Like I get depressed when, okay, I shouldn't throw that word around. I get low. myself when we've got rain for three days like I love the rain but at the same time sunshine you know the sunshine brings so much and being able to lie on the grass brings so much and being able to drink fresh water brings so much and I don't think I will ever forget that moment with the bee that just changed the way that I view life in general by being able to sit there with a part of nature that terrifies like 95% of the population. Yes. And I, I think you're, you're giving me this perspective of the realization of, I think sometimes we just think it's like a given or we can do without it. 
right? We can, we can just be in our house. We can just live our life. A shower is just a shower to clean. Like we forget this. We, we don't cherish. We don't have this compassion. We don't understand. Like you just gave all those points. We think we could go live in a padded room and just have TV or whatever, and that we would be sane, healthy, okay humans. But you pretty much pointed out like, no, no, we are lying to ourselves. If we believe that we don't need her, we don't need the earth. We don't need the water, the land, this connection. You and I are just those who I think, and many others who see this for its value and remember this deep reverence and connection and need. And so I hope this helps people just be inspired and also reconnect and say, oh yes, this is why, this is why we want to talk about it. This is why we want to learn about the plants and learn and how to cherish and have water and enjoy it. Like, yeah, we all like going to the beach, but, and this is bringing up this weekend, we went to this reservoir because we don't have really lakes here in Colorado and it was closed because there was algae blooms. And so long time, they just closed it and waited. And my mind went, why aren't we putting plants or adding fish or whatever that needs to write that system and said, it's no, let's close and just test and hope the birds stop pooping in there and all the things. It was just so weird to me, but I think we're weird to the majority. Like this is new undertaking. So thank you for just walking down this thought pattern and what was coming up because it is a weird question but I think I struggle with how people don't see it the way you and I, with the bee, with the water, with the connection. So I think you answered what I was going for, but it's just so fascinating. Yeah, I, I agree. Because even that took me into a place of like, wow, what would that be like to not think this way? And people do that. You know, people, they go for wealth and good on them. Awesome. If that's what you want. There's definitely nothing bad about that whatsoever. But then, you know, they, they spend their time in these houses and in these offices and every time they go outside, it's to go to the car or yeah, just to go to the beach, but they sit on their phone. Like, it's not that they're not getting nature by being at the beach, but it's just sometimes the intention, actually, let me rephrase, always the intention is going to make that experience more connective and more better. So like there have been many times where I've gone for walks and I've spent so much time just wanting to film the forest. Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, you got to put the phone down. Like, I know you want to capture this moment of being in the forest. Like, look at me. I'm in the forest. Like, that's so cool. Getting some nature vibes. But also put your phone away because you're not taking it in then because you're too busy thinking about what Instagram is going to think about you being in nature and not about how nature is going to feel about you being in nature. And it's just, I find that very interesting because even I can still get caught up in it. I did it, I think it was last week. I went for this this hike and yeah, I just went, oh, look at all these cool things. And then midway through, I said to my friend, I'm like, all right, hold my phone. Like, I, I can't, I've got my phone in my pocket. I can't keep doing this because all I'm doing is capturing nature and not breathing her in. And yeah, and so did I get the type of reel I wanted? No, because I stopped trying to, direct myself in a way that I want the world to see or I want Instagram to see or the way Instagram gets to be seen and actually just sit in nature, be with nature and talk to the trees, 
I was like, we have this thing called a hongi here, which is when we greet people, we put our noses together and our third eyes together. It's a way of reverence and saying that my breath is your breath or we share, you know, it's like the bringing together of people. And I was doing that with the trees, with the ferns. I was like up there and <laughs> so giving this reverence to these ferns and these trees. And it's like, this, this is what it is. This is what it gets to be. Although I'm not in bare feet because my feet would be sore, I still get to like hug the trees. You still breathe yeah. in. It, it's again, this like reciprocity of you're there, they're there, you're together. And, and knowing you're there for more than just exercise too. I think the word that sticks out is it's really just about your intention. That's, it, it is mm-hmm. so simple just to go, to be with nature, a part of it and, and just enjoy it and let it work. It's magic. I've had some of the craziest messages or downloads that have come from the most simplest of places, but knowing that those are only going to come if you are present and if your phone is in your backpack and, and that (laughs) I totally get it. I'm almost to the opposite of I've trained myself to never bring my phone. So when I do want to share something, I'm like, I never have it. (laughs) It's not even there. And I'm okay with that too sometimes, but it's that balance. How do we live in this technological, beautiful, connected world, but then also step away and, or have it but remember the simplicity of it all right mm-hmm. and sometimes you got to do it twice so go somewhere for the first time with the intention of experiencing it and then if you really want to have an experience where you get to share it then take that intention with you i'm coming here to and share this mm-hmm. so like you said intention is everything and sometimes our intentions can actually make us a bit crazy so we can say, oh, we're going out into nature to, to experience nature. And we spend most of it on the phone instead and then come out and then we just go crazy at ourselves. Like, oh my gosh, you don't even, we weren't even present. You don't even remember that walk. Like you were supposed to connect with nature, but all you did was sit on your phone. And then we sit there and doubt and hate and berate. And it's just like, it just ruined the whole experience, whether you were there or not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no harm in sharing it. There's no harm in taking that. But just if they, even that is your intention, I'm going to experience half of it without my phone and experience half of it with. That is also okay. There was something else around intention. Oh, yeah. Coming back to that question around connecting with the land, which is still tied into what we're talking about, I, I'm guessing. Once again, intention is everything. Like I have so many people ask me, how do I connect with spirit? How do I connect with nature? How do I do rituals or ceremonies or anything? And they will, it all begins with intention. Every bit of it. You can have the, you can have all of the crystals in the world, all of the oracle decks, the best cacao, all of the things. But if you don't have an intention, then what is the point? And then you can have next to nothing or, or just yourself. And you have an intention and you could, it could be the best ceremony, ritual, whatever you'd ever experience in your life. It's whatever we put, um, we would, whatever we put our energy to, whatever we decide, our energy is going to focus on. Like I came into this podcast but with the intention of whatever is going to be said is going to be said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so then that, that that means that my human gets to roll with that. And although I may walk away from this later and be like, "Oh no, I said this, I said this," and like, well, we did have an intention to let the words just come and just let the experience happen. 
Exactly. I often find with those types of questions, yeah, where do you begin? It's about asking. It's like, just make, ask for the connection, ask Mm. to be shown, ask. And there is so much working around us that we are so unaware of, not always, but a lot of times, especially if you're just starting this journey. And so the simplicity of intention and asking will just open up so many doors. It's absolutely incredible. Okay, all, I know I am leaving you hanging with this conversation, pulling you out right in the middle, but guess what? Come back in two weeks for the next episode with Amanda Lauren as we jump into part two with her and dive even deeper on this conversation. So if you're enjoying, hit subscribe, maybe even rate and review or share to a friend who you might think would enjoy these episodes and continue to listen in because I promise you will enjoy the next episode even more that will come out in two weeks. So stay tuned. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening.